1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Jeeva Pei, he's Chris Stanzial, and Chris, what a week it is. We are one of three schools that have an undefeated men's and women's basketball team, but you know what? We're the only one that stands on top in the men's poll because we are back at number one, baby. <laughs>
2: It is crazy to think now how we kind of take this. I want to say we take it for granted, but it's kind of like expected at this point. I remember when, like, growing up watching Villanova and you know seeing them oh, like high in the polls, but they were never they could never attain the number one ranking. Um, the 0506 specifically for me, when Duke was just plastered there no matter what Villanova did. And but now it's 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 crazy to see the number one right next to our name, and it it just it happens every year now. It, it's great to see. Yeah, what is this now? Our third straight season? Sitting yeah. on top? Yeah, the first was our senior year, 15-16, and we've been number one ever since. Or, well, at some, point, think, yeah, at some yeah, point, yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know yeah, what you No, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. no I, know, yeah. I know
1: what you're going for before, like, I some, I don't know, some, like, Duke fan infiltrates the comment section or something
2: stupid. Yeah, trying trying not to start a flame war, but, but you, yeah. you, you, I'm glad you understood. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I,
1: we've
2: been doing this for a while. I know, I know what you're trying to put up.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. You know, some other great news also is that Last week, Mikael Bridges messed around, got some career numbers. We also got some career numbers here at State of the Nova Nation. God, whew, I felt like we, we just beat a bunch of high scores from last year. Uh, Mikael Bridges had some personal records. The men's team has some personal records. Same for the women's team, and we have our own also. Number 66 on College and High School Sports podcasts on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. And just at the, on the Podomatic Polls. We got number 71 overall, six best sports podcast on Podomatic, and we are the number two college and high school sports podcast on Podomatic. It's an exciting time, and we couldn't do without your support. Otherwise, who knows where we'd be? I'm just glad we haven't been fired yet.
2: <laughs> we're, st- we're still kicking, so we're doing something right. Something yeah, yeah,
1: more people are coming back, so I guess <laughs> I guess that means we're
2: doing something that's, good. That's good. That's good. That's good. And. You know, having the guests on as well, they're they're really helping us as well.
1: But you know what,
2: Chris? Yes. The men's team now holds
1: the longest active streak in the AP Top Ten with 35 weeks, and the record's 40. So we're approaching it.
2: Ooh. We're approaching it. Wow, that's well, we're right there. <laughs> Barring an absolute collapse, I I I see us at least tying it. I mean, you gotta think.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I we don't want to jinx it, obviously, because it's a long season.
2: I know, I know,
1: but it, it just it, you know it's so close yet so far, and mm-hmm. hopefully we make it. It's
2: also one of those weird stats. It was kind of like Aaron Judge's strikeout record in the past, this past baseball season. Like, oh, he struck out in this many straight games, and you're like, I didn't even know that thing existed. It's kind of, it's kind of like this. I had no idea that this was a people were keeping track of it, and that the record was forty.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely be keeping an eye out for that. But for now, Wildcats are the top cats once again, number one in college basketball land. 41 first-place AP votes, and then the coaches' poll, they received 22 first-place votes. Still well ahead of the competition, most notably number two, Michigan State, and then you got Wichita State number three. Duke dropped to number four, and Arizona State creeping in there, moving up to number five. They also snagged some first-place votes. It's just great seeing Villanova back on top again. I liked how Jay addressed it. He said, we still have some work to do. But, you know, you got to imagine that, you know, when he's sitting in his office, he calls in Mike Sheridan and the team. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're we're, we're going to pop some bottles.
2: I feel like a couple of years ago that was probably
1: the case. But now not but so actually, much. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah like you're, you're probably you're right. It's business.
2: It's probably all business now. And I'm, I'm glad for that. Yeah, 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 probably
1: once they once they climb the mountain. Now it's like, oh, you know, we've done we've been here before.
2: Right and you know that's good i mean it's good to have both ends obviously you want to celebrate the fact that you're number one but at the same time you kind of want to go about business the correct way and as we saw this past weekend we probably we know exactly what to correct now so put it behind us we got a target on our backs now and let's uh, move forward i will say though
1: for us fans number
2: one never gets old yeah that's for sure and to be fair I said a couple of weeks ago that, you know, the, the new number one team would be kind of like back into that spot. and But Villanova, I, I have to say, really didn't. I mean, they came off, a, they beat Gonzaga this past week, and then they followed up with a relatively crappy performance against LaSalle. But they beat a high-quality Gonzaga team, so it's not like they backed into it per se. It wasn't like they were beating cupcakes, and then all the teams have had of them lost. I, they had a legitimate win in there.
1: Men's team, they weren't the only one to move on up. You got the women's poll. They That also came out yesterday. And Harry Pretta squad, they were 22 last week, and now they're sitting pretty at number 20, just behind Texas A&M and right ahead of Green Bay.
2: Yeah, they're slowly inching their way up. They're getting there. Trying to get to uh, the top 15, I feel like. Eventually, I feel like within the next two weeks, if they keep this performance up, I, I think they can get there soon. I mean, Stanford's got four losses. They're just they're ahead <laughs> of them. I don't get that. A and M's got two. Oregon State's got two. So they they can make some they can make some moves.
1: The other thing too is that they're the highest ranked Big East team for a little while. They were the only one in the polls, but Marquette has creeped its way back into the receiving vote section. Yes. But for now, I guess you could say that we're the best team in the Big East.
2: Uh, for one more week, you can, and that's that's always a good thing to say. It's good to see both
1: teams move up in the polls. But for now, let's look at the men's team. Villanova's 10 and 0. Wasn't pretty on Sunday. But we got the dub, and that's, what, that's all that matters. The Wildcats won 77-68. to 68. The game was really close until about the last four and a half minutes. Ultimately, Phil Booth got a big foul, gets sent to the line, nails three big free throws in a row. Then after that, Nova just gets some distance, gets some separation, and is able to hold off the evil reign of B.J. Johnson and Pookie Powell. I, I guess I shouldn't really laugh about Pookie Powell because he did give Villanova quite a game. He finished with 12 points, five boards, and six assists. And as for B.J. Johnson, he had 21 points, six rebounds. Sorry, seven rebounds. And then on Villanova's end, we got a couple guys with 18 points. Phil Booth, Dante DiVincenzo coming off the bench. Jalen Brunson adding in 17. And then you have Mikhail Bridges with a quiet 10 points, eight rebounds. Chris, what mm-hmm. stuck out to you about this LaSalle game?
2: It was just very, very, very sloppy on our end. I mean, eleven turnovers—a little more than what would you you would like. I thought obviously they came out flat, losing at halftime by one. You didn't really expect like a a type of letdown game. I thought that the, since they were coming back home off a big win against Gonzaga, you know, Temple—you still got Temple on the schedule, so it's not like you can just sleepwalk through this and then go to finals, and then take a little bit of a break. You still have another game after, so I didn't think they would be a letdown in that regard. So I didn't I didn't really like that. Again, the slow starts, and I, I just don't know why this still happens. I, I just hope that they're able to figure it out eventually, especially for Big Biggie's play. I know you highlighted Pookie Powell, but he only went 5-16 of 16 from the field and didn't hit a single 3-0 oh of 7. So I think we might have jinxed him a, a little bit, a little bit. I, I, I know he, he played okay, but it, his stat line suggests otherwise. I mean, obviously, P.J. Johnson, great game for him on the LaSalle side. Bridges didn't hit a three. I thought it would, he played his worst game of the year, but he still contributed eight boards. So I, I really no issue with that. Dante with the double-double, 18-10. Little slow from the three-point line, 1-6. So, eh, I mean, he still played okay. And then Phil Booth, obviously, as you mentioned, 18 points. And I, I thought he was probably the best player on the day. I think the refs were just very whistle-happy.
1: God, it felt like oh everyone. God, yes. yeah. What was really the rhythm? Up. I think that was another problem with this game too. Like it was just such a strange game. It was just so really weird. Yeah, like something about it. Like I felt like Nova was just not really into it yet. They, like you said, they came out a little flat. They were losing at halftime. Yeah, Brandon was only one point, but that's just strange. It's not a good look. <laughs> no. Uh, we go to the free throw line 35 times. LaSalle only goes five times. He found a foul. It was just like every like five minutes. God, it was just so annoying to watch. The one good thing, though, I, I really liked Villanova's interior passing because the threes weren't really falling that well, so it was good to see them try to get to the basket. One thing, though, Colin Gillespie, is your hand okay? Wrist, whatever that is. God, Ryan Bowman with a little pregame scoop saw Colin Gillespie just walking in with a sling at a team pregame event. Man, I guess that was the reason why Dante had to play for 39 minutes and 33 seconds.
2: Yeah, that was a pretty early bombshell. I didn't see anything in the games prior that would have suggested that he was hurt. I, I'm assuming that happened in practice, that injury. I mean, yeah,
1: yeah, it was reported in practice.
2: And okay. he out for three to four weeks. <sighs> That's great. He obviously hits the depth part of this team. Even as of right now, he seems to be a relatively good key contributor off the bench that will spare some minutes from these from these guys where you don't have Dante playing 39 minutes and killing himself in a game against LaSalle where he shouldn't be doing it that's unfortunate and then I just want to bring up someone Eric Pascal I said in the last episode I was expecting a big game from him because LaSalle really doesn't have an inside presence and yeah Villanova kind of figured that out eventually with all the drives to the basket and getting fouled but Pascal didn't do anything he had three points all three of which came from the free throw line and he didn't do anything under the basket. I think most of it, he only took three shots. One of them was from three, and I think the other one, he had another one from like mid-range or so. So I, I just I just wish he would just attack the basket more and realize that his strength is not shooting from the outside. Drive to the basket, attack inside, and I think he can do some big things. But again, another lackadaisical game from him, and he had four fouls to boot. So I, I mean, I guess that probably, probably had something to do with it since he wasn't allowed to play as aggressively.
1: I I missed the old e-spin of the first two games of the season when he was just Throwing down dunks, and we were talking about how he was gonna eclipse the amount of dunks that they would have yeah. <laughs> over the last like four or five years. Really, just really in a slump right now, and it's really killing. I don't know what it is, whether it's mental or just I'd assume a lot of it's mental. I don't know. It's like when he's out there, I feel like the rhythm just kind of sl- stops a little bit or slows down uh, when he gets the ball. And I feel like there's one thing that's terrible in sports and driving: it's indecisiveness. You gotta just make a decision and go with it. You can't just stand there and just hesitate. And I feel like once he gets a ball on the perimeter, it's like, okay, either pass it or do something with it. Don't just kind of stand there for a little bit. And that's something that we've seen happen in the last couple of games. It's really a bummer. As the Dodd's fairy kid, you love to see him do well. And seeing that he's at Nova makes it even better. I have a lot of people just blowing up my phone asking, what's up with Eric? Why isn't he doing that well? I thought he was going to be great for Nova. And honestly, I think this is just a swamp. Hopefully he climbs out of it, but it's just looking rough out there. I will say, Phil Booth, I'm loving this game. I'm really loving what he's been doing. Oh, yeah. He's had a great last few, two or three games. I guess it started with the St. Joe's game, and ever since then, he's been contributing very steadily. Mikael Bridges, you finally saw him come down to. He's human. He looked human out there. Mm -hmm. But overall, it was good to see Villanova got out a win, even when the circumstances weren't the best. They were trailing by one, wasn't really shooting well from beyond the arc. I think this would be a very big learning moment. I think one thing I liked was after the. The game at the post-game press conference, Jay's attitude and the guys, you know, they weren't really jumping up and down. They, they looked at this at like business. They looked at it, as, at it as if we didn't play the best. It kind of felt like a loss, or attitude-wise, atmosphere-wise, in the press conference room. But... You know, even though they got the win, and even though we're ten and zero, I think there's a lot that they can learn from this, take away from it. And honestly, it's good because they got they got Temple coming up. And if there's anything that you can totally expect from the Owls and the Lycura Center, it's that they're not going to have any mercy. The fans are not going to mm-hmm. have any mercy at all. It's going to be a very hostile environment. And the Owls are looking pretty solid so far.
0: Yeah, I
2: kind of like the approach Jay took after the game, treating it basically like a loss. Because I mean, obviously. Sal's an okay team, but you don't want to be in, a, in this type of game against them. You're much better than them. You should have blown them out of the water. This, this shouldn't have been a competition. You shouldn't have been losing at half. So I'm glad that Jay's able to see that and, and realize that, hey, we're better than this. Yeah, we won. And yeah, we toughed out a gritty game. I hate to use that term. God. But I guess that's what it kind of was. Yeah, you won it. At the same time, you got a lot to improve upon. You learned a lot about yourselves. A lot of film to review. So hopefully they're able to build upon it and make the adjustments for Temple because, like you said, hostile environment, big five matchup, all that stuff. So,
1: Yeah, and we all know that Jalen loves to play the Owls. He's had a few big games so far whenever Temple is on the opposing side of the court. It's interesting. You know, you had LaSalle play, pretty much shot for shot with Villanova. They shot the ball very well. I And we know, we've joked about before how Jay Wright's all about coach speak, and he loves to just throw in the cliches. But he, you know, he told that like it is. And he said one of the quotes, one of the things he said was, quote, we couldn't guard their guards. We were outplayed because they had a good game plan. And I don't think UCJ pretty much admit that all that much, especially when they're winning.
2: No, no not at all. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. <laughs> and if
1: anything, on the bright side, honestly, I'm just happy we avoided the upset bug. Wow. I mean, what a crazy week it was. Like, yeah, I especially was. Especially since we last signed off on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Absolute madness between Duke, Kansas.
2: Kansas twice.
1: Yeah, Kansas twice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then a couple others mixed in. I'm just happy that we were able to avoid that upset bug. You always thought that we would have the game in the bag, but there was just some moments where it was just like it face was, it, palm. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was a palm y type game. And usually I'd get a little bit more worked up over a game like this. I remember last year I had a rant about the DePaul game that we eventually squeaked out. And how ter- because they played so terribly in that. But with this, I, I, mean, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to say I would like to get a little bit more worked up over it, but I, I just have a feeling that they're going to correct it and can, it's not really indicative of who they really are. Now, if they come out flat against Temple and do the same thing and possibly lose that one, then, then yeah, I, I'll, I'll be a little upset. <laughs> I will say it was nice to see
1: Josh Hart. Back back in his old stomping grounds, he's had some big games at the Wells Fargo Center, and it was good to see him sitting courtside, dapping up a few fans, doing a little trash talk with B.J. Johnson. I like yeah. it. It's all all in good fun, all in good fun.
2: I didn't even realize he was there until after the fact. But, yeah, I heard he was in a little bit of a mix-up with uh, B.J. Johnson.
1: Yeah, it was nothing too serious. It was just I, I'm sure he was just like, oh, brick, 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 and the next thing you know, B.J. Johnson makes a basket, looks his way, flashes a smile. But for the most part, it wasn't anything too crazy. I, I did see that one reporter, I guess, was trying to make a scene out of it. And I liked how Dante Vincenzo responded to his questions, saying, I didn't hear anything. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. And it's it's good before, who knows, who knows, maybe he'll like say something and then it gets twisted against him. So I'm glad with the way that he handled it. But it was good to see Josh. You know, it, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know the the Lakers were back last Thursday night and they got – a game against the Knicks tonight, so I guess it was good to see him hanging out, checking out his old team, dapping everybody up, showing some <laughs> love, taking places with fans, sitting <laughs> courtside like a baller. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess now, yeah, now you're a pro pro athlete. I guess you can do these things.
1: Do you think Dominic Cheek can
2: get to sit courtside whenever he wants, or does he have to buy a ticket? No, he gets put in the last row. They'll, oh. No, they'll say, oh, yeah, sure, Dominic. Welcome back. Well, uh, Welcome back, Wells Fargo, you know, his former home. Here, we'll direct directed to your seats, and then it's the last row all the way up in the <laughs> 300. So, <laughs> him and Malik Wayne's. No, I feel like I feel like
1: Jay likes Malik Wayne's. Honestly, he, he he got a lot of dap after.
2: No, eh, yeah, no, I guess you're right. Not with Chico,
1: man. Never heard about anything about him.
2: Wasn't there other, another one in there? I think there was. I'd say Armwood. Oh, he was a little before that time, though, and he he hit a clutch basket against like George Mason in some random tournament, so he's okay. Dominic Cheek was just a cancer.
1: (laughs) But, yeah, it's good to see the Wildcats 10-0. Got another one coming up tomorrow night at 7 p.m. But before we preview that game, I think now would be a pretty good time to call up our good old friend Brendan Riley. He was worked up all all this past weekend about the Big Five, and I guess now would be a pretty good time to just talk about it because we talked about how Andy Katz floated around that tournament idea a couple weeks back, and that was actually an idea that was not original. The Nova Raptor actually talked about that having a tournament for the Big Five, including Drexel, back in 2016. So it, there, here I was quoting Andy Katz, and meanwhile, Nova Raptor had it done years ago.
2: Yeah, come on, man, you got to get your sources straight.
1: Bro, you know Andy Katz probably went on Vu Hoops, saw that Ooh. he like tried to dig in the archives, like, oh, maybe someone will forget about this, like no one will remember about this article.
2: <laughs> Conspiracy,
1: pass it off as original.
2: See if you can uh, get the uh, oh, what is it called? What, what, what the web address what, what is the what are those things called
1: uh, ip address yes yeah, the ip address
2: yeah see if you can get the ip address and see if you could trace it back to mr Castro's computer
1: so yeah there's been a lot of debate what should we do with the big five how should we change it up or should we change it up or just leave it as it is right now i think we can all agree that i think the big five needs some sort of excitement to it whether it's you know tournament whether it's Brown, robin just something to just make it more exciting and fun for all the fans and all the people involved and brendan's got some ideas he's got some really passionate ideas and he's been stewing on this all weekend and he's been brewing up an article about it we're gonna call him up see what his thoughts are about it what should we do with the big five what does he think about the big five and ultimately his suggestions and his opinions on how we can make it better
0: Hey guys, how's it going,
1: Brendan? What's up? Welcome back to the State of the Nova Nation. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good.
0: We've had a few days now to uh, get over whatever it was that we saw on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> and uh, hey, we're we're ten and zero. That's <laughs> if you told me that I was, we were going to be ten and zero to start the season, I don't think I would have cared how we got there. A win is a win. You just released
1: this piece on the big five your thoughts we've had a lot of conversations off wax should we change the big five what should we do with it what how should villanova treat it should we make it a tournament should we keep it round robin what is your opinion on the current state
0: of the big five so uh, i i've had a lot of conversations this weekend and a lot of people have some great ideas you know move it to a tournament um you know maybe only play the top one or two teams from the Big Five each year. And uh, for those ideas, I want to say no, 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 no. Because that's the most idiotic, stupid thing Villanova could do ever. Uh, <laughs> I see no reason whatsoever to get ra- out of the same, at least format of round robin that Villanova's in. And there are so many reasons why my favorite of the few that I say in the article when people come up to me and say, "Oh well, you know uh you know Villanova's just so much better than these other teams uh, uh, my initial reaction is just like oh i'm I'm sorry are are you uh, sh- do we win too much? Is that the problem here? If we win the big five again this year or the big east again this year, should we leave that too like oh, Kansas should have left the big twelve like six years ago. they're winning far too many times. Who would like to do that?" it's just ridiculous. So for the people who want the tournament
1: format, why would that not work? I know you did a little bit of reading into it, a little bit of research. Why
0: would a tournament just be impossible? It's not that it would be impossible. The basic rundown of how early season tournaments work is that uh, all schools are allowed to play up to, I think it's 28 or 29 games. And then if you're in an exempt tournament, you're able to play up to 31 now Villanova plays in one of these every single year battle for Atlantis was uh, the one that we did this season you can play in more than one of them in a season which I actually thought you couldn't you can but those additional tournaments can't be counted as exempt so you they all the games have to count and um The other part about it is, uh, and I think this only counts for the exempt tournaments, but I I have to do a little more research research into it. Um, I think you can only play in the same event once every four years, which is why Villanova switches up where it goes every year. Um, But the main reason I wouldn't want to see a tournament is because I love that Villanova plays all four of these games and that you're going to get these four games every year. And the reason I love it is because despite what people think, they're good games. And I'm not just saying they're competitive on the court or like LaSalle did to us, they were able to stick with us. They're good teams. The exception to the rule was last season. Last season, everyone was rebuilding, and the Big Five was legitimately off of its normal base. It was the first time in the Jay Wright era that all four other Big Five teams were ranked outside of the top 100 in the RPI at the end of the season, when you're looking at you know possible NCAA berths, but before that, the Big Five had been getting two teams into the NCAA tournament like almost every year. In fact, they had had top seventy-five, two top seventy-five teams each of the last six seasons. In the last three seasons before 2017, they had had two top forty and uh, RPI teams. And people forget, 2012 was not that long ago. And in that season, Villanova finished dead last in the Big Five. Yeah, they've won the last four. But before that, LaSalle and Temple split it. Before that, St. Joe's and Temple split it. These are good teams that have good schedules. And while we are on an unprecedented run, and I absolutely love just being the kings of the Big Five, it's not going to last forever. And thinking that the way it is right now is the way it will always be is mind boggling to me. So how did you come up with the inspiration to write this article? (laughs) So uh, a good friend of mine, I don't know if he wants his his name out there. So we'll call him by his view hoops handle of Nova Raptor. Uh, We were having a, a a kindly debate on Thursday evening. Uh, Possibly some Mike's hard lemonades were involved uh, and we uh <laughs> he's a big proponent of of the tournament. He wants to have more of an event, and I still like having all four of the games. I think it's better for Villanova's schedule, especially now with the way that the NCAA selection committee is going to be looking at us as a quad system as opposed to just looking at the top 50, 100, 150 RPI. And for those of you that haven't read the article I put out there on this, it basically means they're also going to be taking into account where the game gets played, not just who the opponent was. So in our two away games in the Big Five, that's really going to help us. But the thing I do like about the tournament is that it's more of an event. And I think that's what the Big Five is missing. The reason the Big Five became so big when it, started and grew in popularity is because they would have double-header events in the Palestra that people would go to and get to see two really good games. And I think that event uh, mentality is what we need to bring back to the Big Five. Obviously, you're not going to get that for every single game. But ideally, in my mind, the first game of every season would be the Big Five Classic or the Big Five Showcase. And You have all five of the big five teams go down to the Wells Fargo Center, and it's a full-day event. Get the alumni uh, societies involved and have them compete in, like, a chili cook-off or something. Put tents and festival-like atmosphere and and games and stuff in the parking lot and involve Xfinity Live and make it a huge event in that whole area to try to get not just the colleges but the city involved. And the way you would run it is the – four of the teams would play each other and those would be the second and third games. And then the first game would either be rotate every year between the five of who gets the the outsider game and either we bring in Drexel and finally let them be a part of this or we try to see if we can get every year an op- a big name opponent, a Michigan State, a Duke, a UNC, a can someone big to come in and start the year that all the other Philly schools are just going to try to root against because it's the first game out there, and Philadelphia schools. I, I, I'm very much like this with with my close friends and brothers and stuff. I hate them. I want to beat them in every single game that I play against them. But if someone else is going to come in and mess with my <laughs> with my family or my friends, like I want to see them go down. Uh, I think that would bring a huge Much needed boost to the excitement level for these games and to the popularity of the Big Five. I think it's something that's been lost in recent years because we just play at each other's venues and it's one-off games. If we could make it back into an event the way it used to be, I think that would be an amazing thing and something that would be uniquely Philadelphia.
2: So Brendan, when me and Eugene talked about this a couple weeks ago, I was pro tournament Eugene seemed to be pro tournament. So what would you say to the pro tournament people like myself where we would say, hey, we can still play you know, a St. A, a Joe's in a Temple who might have a good year in a tournament-type style or maybe even, like you said, one of those random teams to bring in and still improve our non-conference, but we're also freeing up two to three games. What would you say – to that as a counter argument
0: so two things one you're not guaranteed to play the better of the teams in the big five each year you might end up saying look at the battle for atlantis this year we ended up playing the quote-unquote lesser teams now that might have worked out for us because tennessee looks to be much better than they were but the tournament doesn't guarantee you having those better games uh and it especially doesn't guarantee you it's now going to be looked at as a neutral court or a home court. You're not going to get that away court advantage to um, boosting up the level of these games, which is now very important to the NCAA selection committee. So you're limiting yourself a little bit in what Villanova does better than most elite programs, which is going and playing away during the non-conference. So I don't want to lose the away games. The next part of that is, okay, so let's say we only play two games in a tournament. That frees us up two more games to play other people. I know people say, oh, I don't want to play these cupcakes. You know, there's too much of a risk there that there's not enough reward. I look at that and I say, okay, well, first off, I get that there's a risk. If we had lost to LaSalle, that would have been a bad loss. But winning against LaSalle doesn't mean nothing. This team is going to take away a lot from this game. Uh, Today in the press conference, Eugene, you were saying, it sounds a lot like the team is, you know, there are things that we needed to do better. There are things that we now need to work on. The team is going to be able to rally around this and use this as a you know, there was all this talk about maybe we'll be ranked number one. We can't get sucked into that. We need to stay focused on playing Villanova basketball and playing each game as if it's against the top teams in the country. It doesn't matter who we're playing. Scheduling is hard. People make it seem easy that, oh, you know, we'll just go schedule a a mid-tier big five or power five school to come in. And it doesn't always work that way. You usually need to get a lesser school. And I don't understand how people that will complain about some no-name school that we bring in to face us and not want to play a school that we've been facing for decades. Like I know these aren't our classic rivalries and I know these aren't with the exception of, you know, St. Joe's, of course, they're not the Big East rivalry. It's not Georgetown. It's not what Syracuse used to be. It's not what UConn, I'm hoping, will be for the next three years. But I love beating Temple. I think LaSalle plays us harder than any school we play ever. And the fact that we get to play at the Palestra against Penn every other year is so freaking cool. Like I'm excited to possibly be able to go out to Fog Allen next year to see that game because it's one of those places you have to see in basketball. Villanova plays regularly in one of the places that you have to see in college basketball. Like it it's a big draw both for fans and for recruits, and it's not something I'm ready to let go of. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Brendan,
1: in that the big five definitely needs something to change, whether it's the round robin or the tournament. I really like your idea of the triple header. Obviously You know, you get the whole city there, and I like your idea of getting an outside school to come in. I think that adds to a little more of the fun element and also just kind of helps bring in even some outside fans. So now you have the whole city, five schools, plus a sixth school who could be from who knows where.
0: Yeah, plus we all get to still feel superior to Drexel. And who (laughs) doesn't have
1: that? (laughs) There's just some lonely dragons that just really want to be a part of our exclusive club. (laughs)
0: They can be in the intramurals. We gave them <laughs> that.
1: <laughs> do do they have the... You know how for the Big East they have like the managers tournament? Do they have
0: one for the City Six that Drexel's in? <laughs> yeah, but they get to be the refs. That's, that's all they get to do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what do you say to the people who are like, oh, but can't you see that the Lenova's going in another direction, and Temple's in another. Are the only ones that seem to be going upwards, and everyone else is staying down below. I know you brought up recency bias, but what do you say to people who think that we're trending upwards at a point where we're going to just be too high eventually for the rest of the schools in the Big Five? Uh,
0: I say to them, you know, I I would love to think that the run that we're on and that. Many have started to note that they think might be not maybe the end but maybe on the downturn of but um Villano has been on an incredible run the past five years. It really has, but those don't last forever i I mean you look at some of the places some of the achievements that we're at right now, like oh we've been in the top twenty five for Only Kansas has been in it more than us. Or, oh, we've been to the NCAA tournament this many years, and look at all these teams that haven't. Well, you look at some of these other teams, and, like, look at Kentucky this year. Kentucky is a blue-blood elite program that's still ranked, but is generally regarded as having a down season. UNC missed the NCAA tournament with that in the last decade. They're as blue-blood and traditional and elite program as you can possibly get these things don't last forever. And just because they make a dip doesn't mean they don't come back. Villanova got off to a great start with Jay, Wright. He had a little bit of a dip and he came back. That doesn't mean it's never going to happen again. Happened to Syracuse. It happened to Duke. It happened to Kansas. The, it happens to these teams and thinking that it would never happen to us is foolish. So what I would say is just cause it's not going to happen to us. It certainly happens with the rest of the big five. St. Joe's, Was an elite team for two or three seasons, and that went away a bit. And then guess what? It came back. People forget them. Twenty fourteen, they were a top forty RPI team that went to the NCAA tournament and probably should have gone further than they actually did. Twenty sixteen, they were a top twenty team. They ran it. They Iowa beat them barely. I think it was in overtime too. And then of course they would have lost to us, but. The point is that these programs aren't dead. They might not have the runs that we do, and they certainly is because they don't have the coaching we do, but that doesn't mean that they're not capable of becoming top 25 teams, of having these elite-level runs, and being the kinds of teams that can push Villanova. We still have not won the Big Five. We have clinched at least a share of it, but we get Temple at Temple. On Wednesday, I know that I I hate the RPI. I use it a few times, at least as the end of year number, because the NCAA tournament does. But right now, the RPI has Villanova at five and Temple at six. This is not a bad Temple team. LaSalle beat Temple and they almost beat us. Temple is going to come at us hard and they're going to be the ones that want to finally end the streak. Like, don't kid yourself. The big five teams want to end our streaks. They want us to lose, and they will each want to be the ones to do it. And Temple could. We had come out with another poor shooting game. Temple's at home. They could really do some damage. So I would just say to the, those the, for the original question is, while Villanova has been able to maintain a very, very high level of success, it doesn't mean. That the rest of the big five doesn't make these peaks and isn't coming back. 2017 was an outlier season in which it was the first year ever that four teams were outside of the top 100 in the RPI. I don't see it happening again anytime soon. You know, Brendan,
1: as of two weeks ago, when I saw Andy Katz's tweet, which ended up being a rehash of Nova Raptors' idea, which, by the way, if no one ever saw it, I highly recommend going into the (laughs) archives, looking up Nova Raptors. Take on why we should have a Big Five tournament. It was a very entertaining article, and yeah, very entertaining
0: I've, read. I've got a link in it uh, to it in my article, along with some of his other stuff. If you guys ever want to tweet at someone or get someone back to writing, I've linked a couple of his articles in mine, and uh, that he's a funny dude. We got to get him back onto stuff. Absolutely, check out his stuff on how to student section, and uh, <laughs> another one on uh, some suggestions for alternate Villanova jerseys. <laughs>
1: i did read the how to villanova student section that one's also good (laughs) but yeah i was on the tournament train but you know what i'm sorry nova raptor Uh, i think brendan's convinced me i am all for the round robin and the triple header i like that idea a lot and i like that we're making it an event it wasn't so much teams being competitive it was just really more of the double headers the triple headers at the palestra getting the whole city to pack one building and getting the mall hype. And I am back. I, I'm on Team Brendan. I think that the round-robin format is good. It just needs a little modification. But you know what? You've sold me, and it's not worthless, and it is totally
0: recency biased. <laughs> I'm glad I could get one convert because uh, I don't know how many I'm going to pull onto my side. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm sorry, Brendan. You bring up a great point, but I like the tournament idea just a little bit too much. But I do like your idea of bringing out in, in another outside team. That, I think, is a great idea. I don't want Drexel.
0: Oh, I we can't. If we're doing a tournament, you can't bring in an outside team. Because the one time that we bring in an outside team and they win our tournament, that is going to be yeah. very bad. Oh, um, <laughs> who cares? Billy, Billy versus the world. Yeah. <laughs> we bring in Nebraska and they win the big five. That's not going to look good. (laughs) I
2: think we can, we can run that risk. That's okay. (laughs) That's all right.
1: Brendan, thanks for your time. Once again, please check out Brendan's article on for you hoops. It's worth a read and also some Nova Raptor stuff. If you want the other side of the coin, highly recommend. Brendan has been very passionate about this idea and I'm glad to see that it came out on a nice, cohesive article
0: thanks guys uh if anyone else wants to read more of my th- stuff you can uh check me out at brendan at brendan riley 37 you guys were pondering what that meant last time that was my number when i played lacrosse back in high school uh, oh so, <laughs> so that's that's where the 37 number comes from
1: i like it i like it i yeah. still use my football number for all my passwords <laughs> <laughs> all right have a good one guys you thanks too to brendan you, thank you once again, that was Brendan Riley. I'm sure you all know him. He's a view Hoopster regular. He's always talking, and I think this is now his third appearance on the show.
2: Third? Yeah, let's see. Uh, non-conference preview. Definitely had one of the first games of the year, and now this one. Yeah, third?
1: Oh, I think he now leads the league in guest appearances on the show. He does. He does.
2: Yeah, no, I think, I think he's the only one who's appeared more than once. Really? I think so. I thought we had
1: Chris Lane on here twice.
2: I thought we just had him for the Biggies preview.
1: Oh, yeah, that was just such a long episode that I guess it felt like two
2: episodes. <laughs> I, guess, I, I guess if you want to count it as a twice.
1: We need to get him back on here one day.
2: Yeah, we do. We need everyone back on here.
1: So Wildcats take on Temple tomorrow night. And if there's something that we have learned about Temple so far, it's that Shiz Austin Jr. can really shoot the ball. He is a yes. sharpshooter, as they say.
2: Yeah, shooter shoot, man. Seventeen
1: point three points per game and an, an unwieldy fifty-three point five percent from deep. And it's not like one of those inflated stats where it's like, oh, he only shot the ball eleven times. No, he loves shooting it. He loves saving yeah. it off from deep.
2: Yeah, it's this isn't a small sample size at all. He this is a legitimate three-point shooter. Twenty-three of forty-three right now. It, that's that's an insane number. And he's twenty-five of twenty-six from the free throw line, good for ninety-six percent. That's that's just as impressive, I feel like.
1: Yeah, him and Quinton Rose are at the forefront of the 6-2 Al squad that will be looking to bring the heat tomorrow night on their home court. Quinton Rose, just an inside presence, also averaging 17 points per game. Can shoot it once in a while, but he's more of like an inside guy. And then you also have Obi and Echionia. Obi-Wan Kenobi.
2: Yes, just in time, time for, for Star Wars, Star Wars on Friday.
1: <laughs> Can't
2: wait.
1: <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi and Nechionia averaging a cool <laughs> 12 points per game, six boards per game. He's another inside guy. But one thing that's interesting, it's good to see Josh Brown back for the Owls. He was sat out last year with an injury that just kind of derailed his whole season. This year he's healthy, and he's the point guard that kind of makes everyone go. He's not scoring as much as everyone else, but he's doing – He's doing his job. He's doing what
2: he yep. needs to do. Yeah, solid contributor. Just under nine points per game, just under four boards, three assists. Yeah, he, he's contributing, and obviously coming off an injury last year, you don't expect you know him to come out guns blazing. But you, when you got those other three guys, you don't think you need to contribute as much, you know?
1: Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. We worried about Pookie Powell last time. <laughs> and BJ Johnson, what what is your thought? What is your mood? about he this Temple-Alice team?
2: I, I, don't, I don't think they'll lose, but I think Temple's going to give them a game. I, I think they will. At Temple and the way Villanova played against LaSalle, very, very concerning. But if there is one thing Villanova does well, it is bounce back. And if they do have a bad game, the next game is pretty, pretty solid, at least from what I've seen in the past years. And so far this year, if we can chalk up as any of the past games as down games. If this was at Villanova, I would say they would run away with this, but I don't, I don't know, man. Temple Temple always is a tricky, tricky game. Shiz Alston Jr., if he gets hot, kind of like how LaSalle did uh, the other night or the other day, if they, they were knocking down threes left and right, if Shiz gets, gets loose and gets open and he starts knocking them down, they, 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 might, they might keep up with us. A little uneasy right now, but I, I still think Villanova wins – Around eight to ten points.
1: Yeah, scores and recent scheduling and history has helps any in any way. The Owls did lose to LaSalle at LaSalle by four. They also lost to George Washington, but they also beat Saint Joe's by three. And we all know what happened when we played Saint Joe's. That was worse <laughs> earth. There was like no survivors.
2: No. <laughs> that's for sure. They also had a they also beat Wisconsin. I know they're on a down year, but that's still an impressive win, I feel like, for them. Also beat Clemson, Auburn.
1: Yeah, and I saw them also beat South Carolina uh, at oh, a few weeks back at, that's the, right. at the Under Armour reunion. That was surprising because it was all Temple, all game, and you, you know how Frank Martin is with his Gamecocks. They're all about defense, and oh, yeah. it looked like Temple had no problem whatsoever just doing whatever they wanted.
2: Yeah, they just beat a Final Four team <laughs> from last year. I mean, that's, it's, it's impressive regardless of uh, who graduated, who transferred, whatever it may be. Granted,
1: uh, Harry Potter villain Cindarius Thornwell was no longer on the team.
2: <laughs> I, I thought they still did a good job. Yeah, for sure. Uh, who, what do you What do you got about this game? What are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling Nova comes back, and I I think yeah, like
1: you said, I mean, it's not going to be easy, but we all know how Jalen Brunson feels whenever he plays Temple. I don't know what it is. Man it just has a game, and I think he'll ball out. Mm-hmm. And then I think we'll see we'll see Mikael Bridges follow his lead. Get back to his play because I don't think ten ten points a quiet game four for ten on the floor I don't think that's gonna happen again. It'll be it'll be a game I think it'll be one of those things where it's like close in the beginning and then all of a sudden we're gonna drop a few threes here and there and then you blink and before you know we're up ten and then I think we'll yeah we'll win maybe by at least nine points I say Nova by nine plus.
2: Okay, so literally right in the middle of my range there perfect all right good to know we're on the same page there. Yeah, I just
1: don't see the Wildcats sleeping two games in a row.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. That's why I'm kind of glad the Lasalle game happened the way it did. I, I, and I
1: think Jay Wright has them running extra suicides
2: yeah. after that game. <laughs> yes, lots of extra ball protection drills and whatever, maybe better passes and whatever. But, yes, the running is definitely at the forefront of whatever practice they're going through.
1: Once again, tip-off is at 7 p.m. tomorrow night. You can catch the game on ESPN2. Don't no, go on Fox Sports One. It's actually on ESPN Two. Good. Yeah, it's not every day that we get ESPN talking about us, but they've been doing it a lot lately. I don't know if you watched any of the games over the weekend. I did. But, but literally, in a bunch of them, it was just like, I didn't know where. Illinois was a really good team.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the best team I've ever seen. I was like, "What? what? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You're exactly right. It was during the BC Duke game. They, they kept talking about it. And when they cut this Seth Greenberg he kept saying like, oh, you know, Villanova's the most complete team out there. And it's only because we played Gonzaga a couple of days ago on ESPN. If, if that game was at Fox Sports 1 or if they would just played any other rando team, they would have never had any idea that we were good.
1: Yeah. They're like, Duke is talented, but Villanova's the most complete team.
2: Yeah. I mean, co- I mean backhanded compliment, don't you think? A little bit. They're like, oh, Duke has the most talent, but Villanova's most complete.
1: And then you have them talking about Jalen Brunson's the best point guard I've ever seen in college basketball. <laughs> and it wasn't just the Duke game also. I, I was watching Oklahoma State, and I watched the Cup, another one. I forgot who. But literally, like, I don't know where. just just pulling out Villanova as if they've been covering them, like, in the last five years.
2: Yeah, well, well, that's what ESPN does. They just hop on the hype train until it comes crashing down. And then they're like, oh, see, we predicted it. See, this is why is why we can't have
1: them. no i'm taking i'm taking it the other way with this i think it's great i think it's good to see them talk about us i don't know who we got to infiltrate them if it was mike sheridan <laughs> or you know some fox sports one people john fanta from biggie shoot around i don't know who it was but whoever did it they did their job
2: oh no i'm, I'm definitely all for it more more press the better
1: so we got nova beating temple yes great i'm glad we can agree on that we don't have a women's preview. Because they are taking a 10-day break for finals and exams. Good for them. I mean, they're 9-0. and Yep. They took care of business on Sunday also. Also playing a Big 5 team. They played Temple. They went down
2: to McGonagall Hall. They won 69-65. to Fun fact, Villanova women's basketball, 9-0 for the first time since the 1979-1980 season. That, that's a long time.
1: Yeah, it's been a while. Over three decades. Almost four. About to be four.
2: Yeah, oh, that's that's weird to think about. Don't don't bring that up. <laughs> that is a that was a long time. But hey, got there eventually and that's all that matters.
1: So, it was a pretty balanced effort for the Wildcats. They had four players going to double figures. You had Adriana Hahn lead the way with 19 points, Alex Alumin added 15, Megan Quinn with 12 and Janet Tucker with 10. And it was weird because you know, it was kind of like how we previewed. It was like a team effort versus Tonia Atkinson. And, we, you know, we were hyping her up, how she's, like, mm-hmm. dropping 23 points per game, a- averaging, like, 10 boards. She's just, like, this guard-forward combo that just gets buckets, gets boards, just a machine. Yes. And Atkinson had a great game, too, in her right. She had 24 points and 18 rebounds. But, once again, Villanova just found a way to just, just hold on. Once they took the lead to start the fourth quarter, that was it from there. They were able to hold on. Atkinson pulled down. Pulled off a nice little rally at the end. But ultimately, the Wildcats did enough just to win. And this was a good game, Chris. It was a back-and-forth game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was a great test for these young cats.
2: Yeah, it was. And this one, you can chalk it up to the comeback variety. Down by four at the end of one. And you were able to take back the lead second quarter. Third quarter, points-wise, were t- was tied. And you're still leading. And then in the fourth quarter, you were able to jump out to, I believe it was a 10-point lead. Yeah, 61-51 with 5.58 remaining in the fourth and then able to hold on. And that was what, something we were saying. If they're just able to hold on in the fourth quarter and not collapse, like they kind of had been in the past couple games, providing some scares, then this team should be in A-OK shape. And that's exactly what they did. They hit their free throws down the stretch, Adriana Hine with two clutch free throws toward the end, actually hit three of four in total toward the end there, preventing any type of tempo comeback. So yeah, you got to be happy with that. Yeah, it was a 10-point lead, and yeah, they only ended up winning by four. But at the same time, I mean, you got to be happy with the ability to actually stave off any t- type of tempo rally. Yeah, the other thing, too, like we
1: talked about, you know, even when the shots aren't falling, they're going to put – they're going to give a great defensive effort. And tonight, Atkinson, yeah, she had all those points, but it was just all volume. Nine for 23 on the floor. Like, they did ultimately a great job of just locking down on her. Mm-hmm. I guess at that point when you shoot the ball that much, you're bound to get your buckets eventually. Right. But, yeah, it was like four-on-one, and ultimately the team won. Just wasn't enough of an effort for her to just carry everybody. Pretty hard when you're doing that, but like we talked about, just another great all-around performance. Defense first, then offense came later. And The Wildcats are now 9-0 and going to this little break that they have.
2: Yeah, I just want to kind of build upon that Atkinson point with you uh, You mentioned with Temple. I, I know, like you said, it was all volume with her, and she, was, she pretty much was their only option on the day. She had no help whatsoever. I mean, Davis had 13 points, but other than that, no one breached double digits. Three-point shooting as a team, four of 20. That's that's not a, that's not good at all. I <laughs> mean, you're not going to win many games with that type of shooting. And 25 of 71 from the field. Again, that's just not the best look. And again, Villanova did get uh, out rebounded in this game a little bit. Temple got 49, 17 of the offensive variety, and Villanova only collected 37. So again, it, it, we always kind of knew that rebounding was an issue with Villanova. But at the same time, if you're still able to hit your really late free throws, still be, be able to control the ball late, I, I think the rebounding differential really won't affect you as bad.
1: Yeah, what the Wildcats get beaten up for on the boards, they definitely make up on defense and what they're shooting. But now they're going to take a 10-day break for end-of-semester exams. They're going to resume action on December 20th when they head over to Tom Gola Arena to play LaSalle. Tip-off is scheduled for 1 p.m. We're going to get back to that later once the game gets closer. Chris, I don't know if you've ever been there, but let me tell you, Tom Gola Arena. Once again, people rag on the pavilion for being a high school gym. I covered <laughs> LaSalle Drexel a couple of years back and that was the first time I had ever been in there. <laughs> and that is the glorified high school arena. It's worse than Hagen. At least Hagen looks nice, but Tom yeah. Gola Arena, I don't know I don't even know if it's like historic, I don't even know what their deal is, but it just wasn't that
2: nice. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I no idea. Wow. No amenities, no concessions, nothing? Uh, there, really? there are a few, but, like,
1: just the whole layout is just so strange.
2: Is it? Is it on their campus?
1: I, I'd assume so. I, I'll be honest. I, like – You just kind of showed up. <laughs> yeah, I just showed up. Yeah. Like, it was weird. I, like, put it into my GPS, and I said, uh, I'm here with media – and then they didn't believe me. They denied me parking. <laughs> Thankfully, I had someone call in, and then I was able to go out there and then park, made my way in, first time ever there. Would have totally been lost. But, yeah, it's, that place is a literally a glorified high school arena.
2: <laughs> Unbelievable. What's with the big five and glorified high school arenas? Do we know?
1: Yeah, outside of Temple. <laughs>
2: yeah, true. Yeah.
1: And Penn. And Penn. True. It's that time of the day where we now – Open up the mailbox, look at what tweets and letters we got from you, the fans and the listeners out there. Got a couple, got a few actually. A few repeats, but, you know, hey, the more the merrier. Uh, First question is from Mike Jacobs, and he wants to know, Jay Wright says that Villanova plays for the name on the front of the jerseys and not on the back. Then why have the names on the back?
2: Great question. (laughs) You know, you see see some of these uh, lower – Lower budget schools, they don't they don't have the names on the back, but I think that's just because they can't afford them, and it's not because of their whole mantra. But uh, why why do we have names on the back then, if that's if that's if that's our attitude type ordeal? What, what say you, Eugene?
1: It's a great question by Mike Jacobs. I mean, hey, we could you know we could you know what we could do we can just do it like we did, and uh, I don't even remember what the exact name of the classic or doubleheader was called. But when we went down to Hawaii and we and we played uh, Oklahoma at at Pearl Harbor, and they just put intangibles on the back like uh, respect, attitude. Like I think Jay would love that. I think Jay would be all for that kind of stuff.
2: Oh, oh really? Because those those jerseys are forever cursed because it it caused the uh, a thirty point loss that night. Obviously, it was all the jerseys' fault.
1: I guess you would say that that was the last time that they ever did anything like that.
2: Yes, and it probably should be the last time, considering the outcome of that game. Okay, if you could change, like, let's say they
1: don't have names on the back, what would you change it to? And you had to put something there? Yeah, if you had to put something there. Nicknames. <laughs> J-Swiss J- for uh, Jermaine Samuels, Dada for Cosby Browntree, O-Boogie for Spellman.
2: Oh, that's great. Ter- pterodactyl. I'd like to see pterodactyl spelled out on bridges. That'd be great. Booth. <laughs> booth, you could just have like, boo. Or 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 the, or the uh, Booth Fairy as we famously quipped a couple years ago.
1: See, I'd be all for uh shoot 'em up sleep in the streets on the back of the jerseys. That'd be oh, so that's sick. Good
2: one. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. <clears throat> Yeah, now it would be.
1: It'd be a little long. Maybe just do like one line on the top and then do the number and then do the second line on the bottom. But uh, yeah, I think they can make it work.
2: Oh, that's possible. Or maybe just the first letter of each word there. What would the abbreviation for that be? S E U S I S S E U S I S.
1: Oh, wait, no, there's a T in there for sleep in this.
2: The uh, but would you put states. the T in there for the V? I don't uh, know.
1: I guess I guess not. I guess we don't put the T in S-O-N-N.
2: Oh, that's true. That's true. So, if you're looking toward us. <laughs> so, we, we should pitch that. Come up with a, a jersey concept. If anyone wants to draw anything, please, please go do so and then tweet it at us.
1: The other question from Mike Jacobs is: Is there any rhyme and/or reason to when the squad wears the '85 throwbacks? Uh, I can't find any patterns or consistent formulas, but there is one that sticks that sticks out to me, and it's whenever we play Georgetown. I think that's when we debuted them, also. And honestly, we've destroyed Georgetown every time we wear the throwbacks, and we also get to rub it in their faces a little bit more about what happened on that fateful night in 1985.
2: Yes, it is the ultimate troll job, and especially with this year with you and coaching, I feel like it's going to even be more trollier.
1: He's still very bitter about that loss. Like, he hates us.
2: <laughs> he is. Yeah, no, you wouldn't think so. Like, even, like, in, like, his, like, Nick documentaries, he brings it up, and it's like, dude, come on. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, literally every documentary where he's asked about it or he talks about it, he's very bitter.
2: <laughs> yeah, he is. Like, you lived a... Full, complete NBA life. <laughs> you went to I, two NBA finals. Like, come on.
1: Yeah, people consider you one of the best around at your position. And here we are. I mean, I guess he's still holding on to those college years. Another question is from Chris Lane. How bad are we?
2: <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't think we're that bad. I think we're pretty good. I think we're number one, right? That's what the polls say. We, we are number one.
1: But yeah. I would say if there was any room for improvement, it would be that we get Denny Grace, Peyton Heck, Matt Kennedy, and uh, Tom Lye Big. Tom Lie Big. <laughs> I, I literally just had it too. I was like, God, there are four this year. It's too many.
2: Yes, yeah, so yeah, I Yeah, we
1: need to get them all minutes, every game. That's the only way I can see this for improving, which means if they're getting minutes, that means we did something very good that game.
2: That is very true. And it should have been this weekend as well. This should have been one of the games where they get their minutes in, but no.
1: Next questions are from our guy, Jerry Quinn. What will be the impact of Collins' injury? Will he be ready for Biggie's games when they start later this month?
2: Well, I think we kind of hinted at it before. the The impact is that the the depth is going to take a hit, and you're going to have these guys, specifically, well, this past game Dante playing minutes, a little bit of extended minutes, and they're going to be, you know, a little tired, a little dragged out. And you know, it in this early in the season, it's really not that big of a deal. You still got a long ways to go. So they can get their rest in, but at the same time, you really don't want Dante playing 39 minutes against the South.
1: 39 and 33 seconds.
2: Right. Oh, yeah. Sorry. He he basically played the entire game, and you really don't want Jalen killing himself. Bridges. It goes down the line. It affects minutes across the board. So that that kind of sucks. But you you said it was a three to four week injury, so he'd probably be back around. I guess that puts him at mid mid January. So right right when Biggie's play starting to pick up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he can. You know. We won't need him for Nepal, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I'm sure he was a little bummed because I'm sure he like circled down on his calendar. He's like, "Oh man, this want to get some extended minutes, maybe get some numbers."
2: That is true. That is true. He he would get some extended minutes in it, and I guess it, it, I don't know if it would affect him from a development standpoint. I guess it would because I mean it's that's three to four weeks of actual game time. You're not going to be able to play.
1: Yeah, and and you know he was he was starting to cook. He's he's pretty much our main freshman off the bench, not named Amir Cosby Roundtree and. Jay loves him. The crowd loves him. But, yeah, we're definitely going to see more Dante, more Demir Cosby-Rountry, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But we also saw Jermaine Samuels get some early minutes. Jay put him out in the first half. And then that that was it. Uh, Yeah, I thought (laughs) thought that meant, like, oh, well, I guess it's time for him to grow up now. Let's Mm -hmm. see what he's made of. And then I guess Jay was like, no, he's not ready yet.
2: It's almost like he might redshirt or something.
1: You know, Chris, I know you said it. (laughs) And I, if you didn't take it back, that would have been the boldest hot take because, <laughs> honestly, it's not too far off.
2: I mean, I don't think he's going to redshirt at this point. I don't point. think he's going
1: to redshirt, but, like,
2: if I, I guess I, he might as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might as well just to do me a little favor. But I already chickened out of the stupid hot take, so whatever. Yeah, yeah,
1: people started giving you the heat.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I deserved it, though. It was it was right. It was I, I deserved every bit of that, but it is kind of funny how this is kind of happening. When I mean, it's not hey, funny, I'd rather, I'd like to see him succeed. But you 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 get my point.
1: Hey, the guy who put Georgetown in his AP poll. You know what else he did that people thought was a little outrageous? What? He put Arizona State pretty darn high, <laughs> and that was before the Kansas game. So I guess uh-huh. for one thing, for one thing that he did that was absolutely ridiculous. He was also a savant in the other end. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty funny.
1: That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to the State of the Nova Nation podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or on Podomatic. You have options. Don't forget to check out the site, viewhoops.com. We got all the news, analysis, previews. We're gonna be, We're going to have some stuff for the Temple game tomorrow. Also, check back on Brendan's article. Please highly recommend. And also all the links in that article. Please follow us on social media at View Hoops. That's good for
2: Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at the Standsman Man on Twitter. Nova Nation, happy Tuesday. Let's beat some owls. And no matter what happens, always
1: remember, we are number one.